morning. Welcome to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I'm your host, Steve Copeland, and thank you for tuning in. Let's have a great day. Hi, everybody. I've had an absolutely wonderful week since last week on the show. I appreciate everybody that's given me such wonderful comments. The Ruben story that I told about my karate instructor that was in debt, and uh, he came to me and asked me if I could help get him out of debt so he could buy that Mustang Mach 3 that he wanted, turned out to be a really good story. I've had a lot of people tell me that uh, they appreciated that story. So I want to follow up on that today and and just just talk about what are some of the things that we can do to basically make our lives better? Well, first, let's define what make our lives better mean. Number one is stay out of trouble. Get rid of a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, I'm probably not the only one that's listening right now that's been in a lot of difficulty and made mistakes and, dug myself a hole and didn't know how to get out. Today, when I was listening to Jeff's show, I want to thank you, Jeff, for for telling people that my materials were good. What I've got on my website, rightthink.org, is just a whole lot of materials. It's got my personal finance small business ownership seminar. And what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to connect with people that are looking for better ways to move their lives forward in a positive way. One of my things that I always come back to is there's so many great motivational speakers out there that are showing you or telling you, telling you things that you need to do to, uh, to move your life forward. And, and I like take that first step. Just get started. Don't hold yourself back. Well, a lot of people that I'm dealing with, including myself from time to time, are at a low spot where it's just really hard to get up and move forward. I used the term last week. My wife said motivation's good, but getting people to get off the chair and, and, and start moving forward, that's the hard part. Well, I got bad news for you. It is hard. Life's not easy. And there are many, many things that if you really want to get it right, you got to do. There's not any one thing that is going to make it all right for you. Well, there are a couple things, giving it up to the Lord. That's the starting point, I'd tell you. Believing in yourself, that's, that's critical. So what I want to do today is, is go right to some more tools that I have. And just so you know how serious this is, I bet you I've spent 20 hours in the last four days thinking about today's show. This is one of my favorite subjects to try to help people through. Today's show is on credit. Credit. Credit is one of the most difficult things to deal with in life. It can have a tremendous adverse effect on you if you don't use your credit properly. This is one of those things. It's kind of confusing. I teach at an Achievable Dream High School and uh, Achievable Dream Academy in Newport News, and I've got my 
financial literacy class there, and I've been working with them on credit for the last couple of weeks, and I finally caught their interest. I, I talked to the security guard the other day after class, and I said, you know, today was a great day because I finally hit on something that the students wanted to ask me questions that they wanted to know more about. So I must be doing something right because I got 15-year-olds asking me questions finally. Well, here's, here's why they're asking me questions. They want to succeed in life, and they're finally acknowledging that there's a subject that I'm talking about that they don't know a lot about. I've got kids that are asking me, if you want to buy something after I've taught them for two days on the credit card trap, they'll still ask this question. Well, if I wanted to buy something, should I use a debit card or a credit card? Uh, hey, I must not be that good a teacher if after teaching the subject about the credit card trap for two days, I still have students want to know should they use a credit card instead of a debit card. So let me start right there. The basic difference between a credit card and a debit card is that the debit card is using your own money. A credit card is using somebody else's money, basically a bank, and they're going to charge you for the use of their money. So let me, let me, let me freeze just for a second here on that. I said that they're going to charge you for the use of the money. What they charge you is interest. But that's not the real problem here that you got to watch out for. Your interest rate is determined when you have a credit card based on your credit score, based on your credit report. If you go to the website, rightthink.org, and go into the, to the document called Right Thinking on Credit. I just put that up this weekend, and I've got a lot of information. But at the very end of it is a six-page report by Equifax, one of the three main credit bureaus out there, Equifax and Experian and, and Trans. Trans credit or whatever it's called. I'll, I'll give you the exact name here in a second. Let me tell you what that is. Uh, trans, trans, uh, TransUnion. Excuse me, TransUnion. I didn't mean to say your name wrong. Okay. I found on the Internet a couple years ago a report that talks about credit, explains credit better than anything I've ever come across. In the Department of Correction, Virginia Department of Corrections course, ready to work. They cover a lot of stuff about credit. And they told me at headquarters a couple years ago that this article that I provided is way, way better than anything that they'd ever come across. I think it's the most complete article on credit that I've ever seen. It explains how your credit score works. It explains what you can do to improve your credit. It explains how you can destroy your credit. It talks about how you can rebuild it, not just improve it. And it really goes into a lot of information. So if you don't have time to listen to me today, I'll tell you right now, read 
that report on my website, and that will give you a strong foundation of what credit's about. Well, let me, let me talk about credit for a minute here. Credit is one of those things that you are warned, warned by everybody. Be careful. Don't get yourself in credit card debt. Well, if credit's that bad, then why do you use it in the first place? Well, most of the show today, once I get rolling here, is going to be talking about some of the circumstances in life where you have to use credit. And I'm going to come back to that because that's the theme for today, is if you're going to have to use credit, how to use it properly so that you can not get yourself strapped by it, burdened by it. So let me, let me tell you something real quick here about credit that I think is very interesting. Three and a half years ago, I was teaching at Greensville Correctional in, in uh, Virginia, Jarrett, Virginia. Had about 60 men in the class. And uh, I started off with one of my favorite routines. When I get introduced, a lot of times they say very, very little about me. And they let me just, the counselors, they just let me introduce myself. And so I have this routine that I like to do, and I'm going to share it with you today. I tell them that my name is Steve and that uh, before we get started, I want to lay out some, some basic house rules, some ground rules. And uh, I start off by saying that I want you to know that I have a passion and that my passion is so important to me. I am so passionate about it, and I pretty much just milk it to death because I, I do it intentionally. I, I just play out for a long time about my passion, like I'm doing with you right now. But basically what it is is that I tell them that I am so serious about what I'm passionate about that I'm, I'm not a person that likes to argue or, or debate or fight, but I'll tell you right now that if there's anybody in this room that doesn't agree with what it is that I'm so passionate about, I'll take off my jacket right now, and we'll go right down here on the mat right now and go at it. Well, imagine this. 60 men in a prison, and they don't know me from Adam, and I'm in their face like that challenging them. Well, luckily, what I do next is work for me every time I've ever done it. I say, or we can settle this the gentlemanly way. And I put my hand out, and then I say, we can thumb wrestle. Well, at that point, they know I'm a little different. They know I'm a little weird to come in there and challenge them like that than to challenge them to a thumb wrestling match. That breaks the ice pretty good for me. Then they're going to listen to me for a second because I'm different. What I'm passionate about is this. I believe that in this life, every single one of us needs to take full responsibility for ourselves. Now, there are some exceptions. Mental illness is a very, very difficult animal to deal with. I, I can't really speak to that. And there's a, there's a lot of special needs that people like that might not be able to take full responsibility for themselves. But my question is, if you're going to take, if you're not going to take full responsibility for yourselves, who is going to take responsibility for you? 
Hey, let me tell you, the first time that I did this that day in Greensville, it couldn't have been any better. It was like I had a cue card for this guy in the back. He shouts out, your mother. Oh, I loved it. So the answer to the question is, if you're a person that's going through life not being responsible for yourself, who's going to take responsibility for you? And he said, your mother. And I said, that's absolutely right, mommy. And I said, and what do you call someone whose mother is taking responsibility for them? Somebody yelled out, a child. And I said, exactly correct. And gentlemen, this is not a juvenile detention center here. Everybody's over 15 years old is what I said that day. And so we're all adults. And I want to give you some tools so that you will be better equipped to take full responsibility for your life and make your life better, more stable. By the way, being more stable is a critical term, trying to stabilize your life. I know that we're going through hardships and we're down sometimes, but not giving up hope and knowing that you can climb out of it and regain. One of the purposes of credit, by the way, is, is what I just said. If you're in a situation in your life where you're barely making ends meet, you're barely keeping your head above water, and your basic situation in life is is that it's very much a hand-to-mouth struggle, you're fighting to pay all your bills on time and do it, et cetera, and you do not have savings, then what happens is if something happens that you have no control over, this is a follow-up to last week's show where thinking and planning ahead will make your life easier. This is a tool that we're going to talk about that requires you to think and plan ahead, get into your budget, and know how to do it. But now we're going to talk about the specific tool of credit. If you're in a situation where you're just cruising along, and let me give you an example. you got an okay job. You're living within your means. You're paying all your bills on time. You're supporting your family. But you're not able to save. You're not able to get ahead. One day, you get in your car. You pull out of your driveway. You back out into the road. And then out of nowhere, a car hits you that was speeding. He's an uninsured motorist. You're laid up for weeks. Your car's got a lot of damage that insurance doesn't cover. And your life has changed just like that. My point is this. I want us to get on top of our finances because that's one part of our life that we do have some control over and that we can be less distracted when things that we don't have control over are going to come at you. And that's a sad fact of life is that things will come at you. So what I want to talk about first is credit. What is the definition of credit? Now, when I ask this question in my classes, people give me lots and lots of answers, and I give them this little preface. There are many right answers to questions, but I want you to think about what is the single most important thing about credit. And in order to know that, you've got to know the definition. So this is on the website. It's the longest sentence I've ever written. I don't put in commas intentionally because I want you to play with this. I want you to think about it. I want you to read it carefully. Here's my definition of credit. 
Credit is when one person or an entity, could be like a bank or credit card company, does something for another person or entity. So I'm going to repeat that. Credit is when one person or an entity does something for another person or entity with the reasonable expectation that the person that they did something for will do what they said in exchange for what was done for them. Okay. Let me, let me go through it again here. Basically, credit is when a person is willing to do something for somebody else because they trust that the person that they're going to do it for is going to fulfill their commitment. So I've entered the word trust. Credit is not just about money. That is part of it. Credit is more about character, honoring your good name, keeping your commitment, doing what you said you would do. Credit is when other people trust you and are willing to do something for you, to work with you, to give you an opportunity that you might have had a difficult time getting without somebody else's help. This kind of goes back to a basic theme that I have that, hey, we're all in the same boat. I said it's a biblical proportions. We're all in the same art in this world. We need each other. If you ever go in and look at the Right Thinking Foundation logo, it says, in order to succeed, you've got to be connected. You've got to be able to have a place to live. You've got to have an income, and you've got to be part of community. So we'll talk about that at great length in future weeks. In Greensville Correctional that day, we were talking about credit. And a guy in the back that had been incarcerated for about eight years was going to be getting out in about a year. And he had written letters to the three credit bureaus to find out what was still sitting on his credit so he could clean up his credit. And he raised his hand. And he was really, really agitated. He said, it said that they would give you a free credit report if you request it. And he said, I got a credit report from one of the three agencies there, services, but I haven't gotten it from the other two. And his point was, how can I make them give me my credit report? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. You got one report, right? He said, yeah. And I said, and your score was really, really low, right? He said, yeah. And I said, you don't really need to see the other two reports. You don't need to be angry at them for not giving it to you. Yeah, they should give it to you, but that's the way life is sometimes. People don't cooperate. I said, but the point here is this. You know your score is really, really low. You don't need more, any more confirmation to that. So let's just move forward with how do you rebuild your credit? And I told him, credit is a process. Credit is a process that if you don't use it properly, it becomes a trap. 
I've got a really close friend. His name's Richard Kay, and he's involved in high, high-level financial matters. He was the talk show host for uh, a radio program on Gateway Bank on their mortgage program. And he's talked to me at length. We'll get him on the show soon. And he said, the whole credit card is a game that is structured so that you will lose. That's a, that's a very, very difficult situation to, to hear. In the high school class, my students say, well, how do you get a credit card? <laughs> and I said, all you got to do is open the mailbox. When you graduate high school or get into college, credit card companies will be putting credit in front of you. They'll just be giving it to you. Jeff told me we were waiting to get on the air just now that he used to be a mediator, and he had a 22-year-old woman that had 30 Two credit cards, 32 credit cards, all with about a $5,000 limit, and she had to go to court, and they got rid of most of her balances. Six months later, she was right back in the same place because after they cleared up all of her balances, they didn't take away her cards. What I'm trying to tell you is this. The credit card trap works like this. They give you credit, and you buy things that you can't afford, that you shouldn't be buying, and you think, well, I'm going to get paid next week, and uh, I'll be able to pay this off because somebody told you that, hey, use a credit card. They don't charge you anything for the first 30 days that you, that you from their statement, and you're using their money. It's free money. Well, it's not free money. It's only free money, that means no interest or no service charges, if you use it properly. But most people, something comes up, life gets in the way, and they end up having a problem with paying the bill properly. I have another close friend that's a high-powered lawyer, Chuck, and uh, he used to be in the military, and he was in charge of a company of men, and he was in Germany, and one of his men, while he was in Germany, the man's wife ran up incredible credit card debts, and they ended up taking judgments on his paycheck. And, and Chuck told the guy, he said, hey, you got to get your wife to quit using your credit cards. Here's basically the credit card trap. If you use a credit card and it starts off at, say, 22% annual APR, Let's just round it up to 2% interest a month. You take the 22%, divide it by 12, that's your monthly interest. And you make a purchase. And your intention was to pay off right away. But between the day you made a purchase that you didn't really have the cash that you shouldn't have bought, and the next month when you're going to pay it off, something breaks down, your refrigerator, your car, whatever, Something comes up that requires the use of your money that was unexpected. So instead of making the payment in full, you end up making a minimum payment. If you only make a 5% payment on a $100 purchase and they're charging you 2% interest a month, assuming you make your payments on time every month, it takes 15 years for the last penny of that purchase to be paid off. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. So if you go to my website, rightthink.org, 
and look at right thinking on credit, you'll see that as an illustration. What happens is, is that people start using a credit card for things that they don't have the money for. And then something else comes up unexpected and their funds are diverted. This ties back into having to be on a, on a budget and know how to handle your money, know what you can and can't afford. And so, simple example, you get a $500 credit card. That, that what that means is you have an available limit. They give you up to $500, and it's zero the day you get it. And all you have to do is to call up and activate the card, and it's yours to start using. And then you charge $100. doesn't seem like much. You'll pay it back quick as you can. But then something happens, something unexpected. You don't pay off the 100 and then before you know it, you got to charge the other 400 run up the card to its maximum of $500 because you don't have enough money to pay all your other bills, and you're stuck having to live off of credit until you can get on your feet. I'm going to share a personal story with you right now. I will tell you that I am qualified to discuss this subject. I am qualified to discuss this subject as well as anybody that I know. If you've been listening to my show and the interview that I had with Jeff back in November, I've had 15 surgeries. I've carried two cancers. I've, I've been in and out of severe debt. Some of it might have been my fault, but some of it could very easily be simply because I didn't have enough income because I was out of work and I ended up having to rely on credit. Thankfully, I've always had very, very high credit. I've kept my credit high. One of my main goals in life is to always have good credit. So here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the business for myself. And a lot of times you have to use credit. I'm a developer. Sometimes I don't have an income for a while while I'm working on a project. And uh, I use credit. Well, I have one credit card, a Chase Visa card. And my credit was so good, and I used it for my business as well as personal, and I have a $34,000 limit on that credit card. Well, over the last couple of years, I ended up having to use that credit card in order to survive because my income, because of my medical circumstances, was below what I needed each month. Credit needs to be there in order to help you buy time until you can get on your feet sometimes. That's one of the purposes of credit. There's other reasons you need credit too. If you want to buy a house, which would be one of the best investments of your life, where, where you're building equity in a house, if you can buy a house at a good value and then live in it and, and watch the equity grow, you're not going to be able to buy a house without credit. And if you have good credit, your interest rate's going to be lower than if you don't have good credit. Sometimes if you have to have a car, you can buy a, buy a car. The very best thing to do is establish your credit, be on a cash basis, never use your credit cards, save them for emergencies. So the pecking order is you should have savings, but you need credit behind that. On my business class where I teach people how to succeed in business, one of my comments is there are two things that if you do not have, you're almost guaranteed to fail in business. One is working capital. That means cash reserves to carry you until your, your sales get to the level that you need them to be and you start being profitable. And the other is credit because there's two things in business and it's true in life. 
almost always, when you're projecting when your money's going to come in in the future, it almost never comes in as fast and as much as you want it to, especially in business. And the other thing is, when you're projecting your expenses into the future, there's generally going to be things that you didn't think about, overruns, things like that. So you put those two things together, that the sales don't come in as fast as you need them, and the expenses go over budget, and that means that you have less money to pay yourself, and then you end up having less money to pay all of your bills, and you're going to fall into where if you don't have savings or other assets to talk about, we're going to talk about assets at length in a future show, you start relying on credit, and if your income doesn't come up, your personal situation goes down. On page 22 of the Personal Finance Small Business Ownership Seminar, that's the key to the whole program. It shows how when your income's lower than you need, your personal resources start to get diminished, your budget gets harder and harder to meet, your credit card debt goes up, and your credit worthiness, your ability to have more credit, gets harder to get. So let me get into a couple basic, basic ideas here. Credit is this thing that you don't want to have to use it, but you need to have it in case you do need it for emergencies. The very best thing for credit is to use for emergencies. Okay, so let me just talk to you about the secret to credit. I tell everybody, the guy back at Greensville that day, the best way to have good credit is to honor your good name, to do what you say you're going to do. That is the secret to credit. If you become a person who lives your life with respect for other people, that honors your good name, you do the things you say you're going to do, you will end up having credit. Let's start off with a very simple example. Let's say that you're a college kid and you borrowed $20 from a friend of yours, or you want to borrow $20. And your friend says, hey, listen, I'd loan it to you if I could, but I've only got a little bit, and I need $20 in a week to pay this one bill that I've got. And you tell him, hey, just I'll get you your $20 back before you need it. Come on, help me out. It's really important. Loan me the 20 bucks, and I promise you I'm going to pay it back. So your friend says, hey, look, you're my friend. I'm going to help you out because I know it's important to you. And he loans him the $20. Well, guess what? The, the guy that borrowed the $20 from his friend, he didn't pay him back. And he avoids him for the next two or three weeks because he doesn't want to face up to him because he lied to him. Well, the guy that lent the $20 and he depended on his friend to give it back to him, he missed the payment. He got a late charge. It, it caused him a difficulty. So the basic premise here is that if you're a person that doesn't mind inconveniencing other people, then you're going to cause them a lot of problems, and it's going to catch up with you after a while. Because the guy that lent his friend 20 bucks, I don't think he'll ever loan him 20 bucks again. Let me give you my favorite story. This is called the lawnmower story. The lawnmower story goes like this. A guy borrows a lawnmower from his next-door neighbor. He cuts his grass, 
And right after he cuts his grass, he does not give the lawnmower back. He doesn't take it back to his neighbor. He leaves it in his backyard. It starts raining about an hour later, and it rains for three straight days. He's left the lawnmower in his backyard, uncovered. Water gets in the gas tank. The lines get wet. Rust starts in. So after three days, the neighbor that lent the guy the lawnmower, he goes and knocks on his door. And he says, hey, where's my lawnmower? And I like to tell the story a couple different ways. The guy's either got a beer in his hand just to emphasize the guy's just kind of like a laid-back guy here, or maybe he doesn't have a beer. The guy says, where's my lawnmower? And he goes, oh, it's in the backyard. And the guy looks at him and goes, oh, yeah, right. He goes in the backyard and retrieves his lawnmower. So the question that I want to ask you is, do you think the guy that lent that guy his lawnmower will ever loan him anything again? Probably not. Four years ago, when I told this story to my mother-in-law, she said, you know, that's exactly correct. That's true. It's just like that. She goes, I lent a pruning saw to my neighbor across the street a couple years ago, and he never gave it back. After 30 days, she went across the street to borrow, or not to borrow, to retrieve the pruning saw that she had lent the neighbor. Neighbor opened the door, says, oh, okay. He goes into his garage, comes back to the front door, and he tries to give her a pruning saw that's not the one that she lent him. It's an inferior one. Hers was yellow. She knew it wasn't hers. He tried to give her a brown one that was rusted and, and falling apart. She doesn't have anything to do with that person. I'm telling you that credit is honoring your good name. And if you end up having bad credit, you can rebuild your credit. It takes time. You need to work through the credit agencies. Let me give you one of my favorite examples about how the credit card trap works. So I ended up with my credit card, and I ended up with all these medical problems, and I've been fighting for survival to keep my house and other things. Luckily, I had very good credit. And my card went up to $34,000 maxed out. My payment, my minimum payment each month was right around $700, 2%. I want you to know, I paid that payment every single month and never missed a payment. I found ways to do it. But of that payment, almost $380 of my payment was interest expense to have used the $34,000 that I had built up. I used it for a lot of things. I mean, a lot of medical bills, education, different things. I mean, I struggled. I fought. Paying almost $400 a month of interest because I used a credit card as a bank and I couldn't pay my balance back because I ended up having medical circumstances where I wasn't working and making much income. I was trapped for a number of years making almost $5,000 a year of interest payments to that bank, and the balance never went down. And what would happen is I'd be $34,000, I'd pay the minimum payment, then I'd have available credit of about $300, 
and then I'd have to make a payment on a medical bill. Every time I would go to the oncologist, I'd get five bills. The cancer doctor, I'd have x-rays, I'd have prescriptions, I'd have, I'd have lab work, I'd have whatever. At one time, just a couple years ago, in addition to all my other household expenses and my first mortgage and my second mortgage and the credit card debt that I had, I had 14 medical bills, hospitals, labs, doctors, etc. And so the secret to maintaining your credit when you can't work through it with making the payments when you're in the situation that I was in is communicate. I want to say that again. Capital letters. Communicate. One more time. Communicate. The very best thing you can do with your credit is make sure you always establish a communication with your creditors and never, and I'm going to repeat this, never ever commit to something when you're trying to work out a payment plan that you can't really fulfill because it's just going to, going to be short term and then you're not going to meet your payment and then it's going to go. Do your very best when you're in credit card debt to communicate and keep your bills in-house before they turn them over to a credit agency bureau. If they don't go to a collection agency, they will not be a bad mark on your credit. So let me just say a few more things about credit because I speak on credit for hours and hours when I do my classes, and today is just an introduction into credit. I want to I tell you that a summary of what I'm trying to tell you is Try your very best not to use credit if you don't have to, but use it a little bit and pay it off properly to establish good credit because when you get good credit, your life will get easier. I'm very proud of my son, Andrew. He, he lived in a, a, a condo, and he got a very good buy on it and one of those sales about seven or eight years ago when the market was way down. He had saved a lot of down payment working hard for a number of years. He moved into a condo. He then... Rent it, rents it to cover his mortgage payment, gets a little extra cash out of it. He bought a duplex. He rented the duplex upstairs. He lived in the downstairs. And now he's renting the downstairs, and he's buying a third house. He has good credit. He has managed his affairs beautifully. I am very, very proud of my son. It takes hard work to stay on top of your credit. Okay, so... Here's what I want to tell you the worst part about the credit card trap is, and I'm going to walk you through this for a second. It's not the interest that you pay. It's the late fee. The interest is minimal. It's not good, but it's minimal. But I want to give you an example. A lot of credit card companies have a fixed amount, $35 late fee if you don't make your payment on time. So I'm going to give you a very simple example I gave the high school kids last week. Say you're using a credit card, and you're trying to establish your credit, and a credit card has a billing cycle. It's usually a 30-day cycle. And anything you buy during that first 30 days of your cycle, when they close your statement, close your cycle at the 30th day, they bill you whatever you charged, and you have 30 days to pay it without any interest. If you choose to not pay the whole thing off, they'll charge interest at the second 30 days on the unpaid balance at that point. 
So here's my example. The, the, regula the regulatory agencies do not control, they control interest rates very carefully. If it's too high, it's called ERSIPUS and it's against the law. But where they really get you is on the late fee. It's a fixed amount. And so here's the two examples on the late fee and how it can really, really hurt you. You get a credit card, and your cutoff is the 30th of the month by 8 o'clock at night. If you pay it after 8 o'clock at night, it won't post till the next business day. So here's what happens. It's 6 o'clock, and you need to make a payment on your credit card. And your buddies come over and say, hey, let's run up the street for a minute, and, uh, you know, let's go to the store, whatever store you want to make up here. And you go... No, I, I can't go. i got to do something. You're getting ready to go pay your credit card online. And they go, oh, come on, you know, just we'll be back in an hour. Well, your friends are all over you to hurry up and go, and you're not that disciplined, and you figure, well, I got to 8 o'clock. I'll get back. I'll get back uh, by 7. I'll still make my credit card payment. So... You've charged something for $25. Your balance on your credit card is $25. you got to make some kind of payment on that $25 before 8 o'clock. So you go off with your friends. You don't get home till 9.30. You forgot all about it. Well, your statement closed and you get a $35 late charge. You're late on making a minimum payment on the $25. They give you a $35 late charge. The best example I can give you on that is a couple years back, my wife had a... Uh, charge at a department store. Peebles, I think, is what it was. And uh, she did everything properly. She charged, I think it was $28. And she paid it on time. She went in the store and paid it. Well, there was a bookkeeping problem, and they did not post her payment on time, and they gave her a $35 late charge. Well, here's what happened. Actually, the timing went like this. They charge $0.35 cent interest on the, on the purchase because of the posting. You usually don't get a bill if you don't have a balance, and my wife told me she paid the balance off. So I wasn't looking for that bill. So I didn't open the bill from Peebles. I just thought it was junk mail. The next month, she had $0.35 cent interest on the $28. I didn't, I didn't know. When I finally opened the bill, I didn't pay the $0.35. Cent. So a month later, we get a bill for $0.37, cent, the $0.35 plus interest, and a $35 late charge. We owed people $35.37. So she called the store and talked to them about it, and they traced it down, and they saw that she should have had a zero balance, and they waived all those extra charges. But if you go along like that, It'll get you in trouble. Here's another example. The high school kids ask me, well, uh, does it cost you anything to have a credit card? They usually waive the fee the first year, but they can charge you like $80 annual charge to have a credit card. Well, what happens there is you don't know you got an $80 charge because you're not looking at it. You're not disciplined to be paying attention. This goes all the way back to my whole program, budgeting, Staying on top of your finances, being focused and disciplined, keep out of trouble. 
So what happens is, is that $80 charge, and you're not looking for it. The next month, they give you a $35 late charge. The next month, they give you another one, plus interest. You get a couple months down the road, then you get a phone call from the credit people saying, oh, we want to talk to you about your account. This call is being recorded. You get the idea? you got to stay on top of it. you got to be very careful because it's a trap. Here's what I want to tell you more than anything right now. As you start using credit, you have to be very, very careful about credit. You can't use it. Don't buy things you don't need. Pay things on time, and everything will be okay. So I just wanted to tell you one more story, and we're going to pick back up on credit in a future week. Next week, I've got a really special guest because another component of being successful in life is being connected. I told you, community. My friend Dave Richards, he's the, the principal of a company called Concursive, and they've got software that's called Connect. It's used all over the world, and he is an expert on connecting relationships. And he is just amazing the way he does that. But he also goes with me into prisons, and he gives seminars on win that first job. You've got to get working. A lot of people don't think they're employable. They are. So we're going to talk all about being connected with other people, being part of community. And Dave Richards, you're going to love Dave. He is absolutely brilliant. He, he's done amazing things with his life. And next week, I want you to make sure you tune in for Dave. I'm not off the air right now, but I wanted to make sure I got that in before I get popped out here. We're down to our last three minutes here. Here's, here's really what I, what I really want to focus on. I told you that I had 14 different medical bills that I was on a payment plan because of my situation. Well, I looked at my budget very carefully, and I saw that I was not going to have enough money to pay all my payments. I worked out the very best terms that I could with each one of my creditors. They knew I was having a hardship. I was having conversations with them to where I would call them up, tell them that I just had a surgery, I'm out for this or that, and, and I want to keep my credit straight. Will you please work with me? So they put you on a payment plan. And a lot of times they try to force you into a plan that's not one that you can meet, and you just have to be very polite, don't be angry, and just ask to speak to the supervisor if you need to. But remember this. People that are trying to make collections or set you up on a payment plan, they're human beings too. And if you're respectful to them, they're going to do everything they can to help you. And here's my illustration example of that. So I called up this one doctor's office that I've been making payments for for quite some time. And the nice woman that I spoke to, I wanted to ask if she could let me skip a month payment because I didn't have enough money to pay all my bills. And when I told her my situation, I had not even asked for a, a month to, to take a break for a month. She said, Steve, you've been very, very good about making your payments on time with us. How about if we give you three months where you don't have to make any payments at all? We'll just hold on to your account. I'll put a note in your file. And I said to her, <laughs> you're giving me three months, and all I was calling to do was see if I could skip a month? And she said, yeah, we want to work with you, Steve. You're, you do well. So in closing today, I've got so much more stuff that I haven't even started with today. But I wanted to give you the basics of credit. It's when one person does something for some other person with the reasonable expectation that the person's going to honor their commitment back to them. 
So I've only covered the basics. We're going to have a whole lot more about credit. Go to the website, talk about it, and I'd just like to tell you, I'm not here by myself. There have been incredible people that have loved me and helped me through it when times were tough. The reason that they've helped me because they love me, it's grace. I don't deserve it, but they love me, but they trust me that I'm going to honor my commitment. So I'm going to leave that with you today and say, God bless you. Just do what you say you're going to do and stay out of debt. Thank you so much. I think that we've got 30 seconds. I timed it good today so that I could beat the recording. Okay. I said a lot today, and I probably left a whole lot out. But just remember this. No matter how bad your situation is, if you just decide that I'm going to change my ways and I'm going to start honoring my commitment, honor my words, take responsibility, your life will improve, and there will be people there that will help you. And you will start to believe in yourself, and they will help you get there. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I look forward to being with you again next week. And remember, don't quit. Plan ahead. It will get better. God bless you, and have a great week.